This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome along once again to the Real EFL League One podcast. You've been very aware this week that there was no League One football to talk about. With no league football, there was still football, albeit a special day and a unique day in the football calendar. It's this weekend. It was the FA Cup first round proper as world football's oldest competition took centre stage for all 24 of the sides from the third tier. The first weekend in November, always one where football fans of League One know exactly what's to come in the first round of a competition, which, as we know, has provided magic and memories to last a lifetime. All the sides coming in hoped that their journeys in the competition would continue and stretch to round two, but inevitably not every side would go through and shocks would arise from all angles, plus big results, plenty of goals and drama to match two. With me, your host, Matt Oz. I have two guests alongside me in the form of the man in the middle for the visual watchers in Charlie Beeston. And on the far side, it is Adam Pendlebury, who had certainly mixed fortunes with their sides in the FA Cup this weekend, as we will explain very, very shortly. How are you both doing, gentlemen, first of all? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Regardless of a not-so-enjoyable <laughs> uh, game yesterday, uh, still happy to be on going through all of the other matches. Yeah, um, yeah. From my perspective, uh, I didn't go down to Exeter yesterday because uh, we'd only just been two weeks ago. So I think that's fair enough. But uh, obviously, followed the game, seeing highlights. So yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a good mood. We're now in that second round, and that's the one, isn't it? Then you know, it's a big match because then you know there's the dreams then of the Premier League teams. Exactly. So it's a little different today, the podcast, as I've just explained, but this next message and point isn't, as we have seen already, you've really supported us with everything for our podcast in terms of the views and the listens and the attention that you've given us. And uh, We hope it continues and that you continue to really drive us uh, forward of all your good reviews and five-star ratings on your chosen podcast platforms. Right, let's start off then talking about sides in League One. We're going to talk about 12 sides. So obviously each three of us have picked four sides who 
we sort of noticeably wanted from the weekend. I want to discuss just a little bit more. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. And then, of course, we will go through all the other rest of the sides in League One, how they fared in the FA Cup this weekend. It's only right to start off about probably the biggest upset amongst the league side. Portsmouth came in, of course, into the FA Cup first round this year as the best-ranked side, of course, having topped League One from the very early outset. They, of course, top of League One, took on top of the National League in Chesterfield and faced a former manager in Paul Cook. And it was Chesterfield who would beat Portsmouth by a goal to nil. And a former Pompey old boy in Tom Naylor would get the winning goal in the 32nd minute that would see Chesterfield beat Portsmouth. And, of course, as well, for Adam, very much keen interest in himself, of course, given Paul Cook uh, worked miracles. Uh, Wigan, of course, stepped to the quarterfinals uh, five years ago with, of course, uh, Tom Naylor uh, as well, a former Wigan player only last year. Um, Adam, it was a banana skin on paper. It was probably the most exciting tie, I think, of the entire FA Cup first round because both sides bang in form. We know Portsmouth haven't lost since March. Chesterfield, of course, the first side to beat them this season. Obviously, themselves, they came into this 13 unbeaten, make that 14 now with the win. And obviously, watching the game earlier on today, they were fully deserving of that victory, weren't they? Yeah, it certainly wasn't the uh, the smash and grab. It was, um, I mean, Portsmouth, as you'd expect, had more possession. But in terms of penetration, really, I think Chesterfield had the uh, all the key chances. Uh, I think there was a lot of uh, quality uh, crosses put in, which I think Portsmouth did, to an extent, struggle to deal with, uh, particularly from quite impressed with Chesterfield's full-back, Mandeville. He put some great great balls into the box. Um, they, they had a few near misses um, before they actually got that goal. And, yeah, it was just one of those off the training grounds. Uh, beautiful ball in. Naila got into the right position. He only had to touch it and it, and it went in. And that's now eight goals for Tom Naila. But was it as big a shock as we make out? I mean, when you've got the likes of um, Tom Naylor, Will Grigg and um, Michael Jacobs, who I know them all well from Wigan. Mm. Jacobs and Will Grigg played in the Man City game when we beat Man City 1-0 one, one uh, to end Pep's dreams of the quadruple that year. Um they shouldn't be playing National League football. A bit like the Wrexham situation. You know, they they've obviously now got they've now got some money. Um Paul Cook's obviously uh, done really well. You know, he managed at championship level. Um and around those, if you like, high high quality players, there are some good players who know that league well and can put the foot in and battle. Um and Portsmouth. Yeah, they had a little bit of quality. They had the odd chance. But I think, like you said at the beginning, in the introduction, for me, it was well-deserved from Chesterfield. And I guess it's the cliche now, isn't it, of um, Portsmouth concentrating on the league and trying to finally make a return to the Championship after a number of years. Yeah, absolutely. I think, obviously, you mentioned a, a player there in Liam Mandeville. Anyone who's a regular watcher of the National League will probably say he probably is the best player probably at that level. I mean, Charlie, when I was watching that game earlier on, you know, I think the biggest thing was that, you know, it was, it was very much elaborated sort of in the TV coverage. You know, this is a situation Portsmouth don't mind. We know in League One this season, they've been very good at coming from behind. But it was just the way that kind of, you know, Chesterfield defended it. You never really felt like in the game that Portsmouth were really going to, 
score at any point. And that's probably the first time this season not really said that because they've always looked like at any point they were going to score in the games that they've been in in League One. But it just felt like today, just that threat really wasn't there. Yeah, very much so. And I think huge credit for that probably has to go to Chesterfield. Um, I very much echo Adam's points in the fact that it's it's probably not actually, when you, when you dig into it deeper, as much of a shock as you'd maybe think it is. Mm. We, we already talk about the fact that the top end of National League, especially, you know, the likes of Chesterfield this season, we obviously had both County and Wrexham last season, but the top end of the National League is effectively mid-table at bare minimum in League Two anyway. Mm. So to then see a side like that beating a League One side isn't actually too much of a surprise. The biggest surprise is obviously that it's the, top, uh, it's the best team in League One that they've managed to beat. In Pompey, a team that are obviously on a really good run, but Again, Chesterfield did exactly what they needed to do. They played some really solid football. They nullified Pompey. At the end of the day, that, that's what that's what they managed to do. It was pure ability of being able to nullify a really strong opposition. And like I say, I think Chesterfield deserve more of the praise rather than Pompey being given any slack. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And of course, who await Chesterfield next in round two is Leighton Oren, who we will touch on later. So they've got another League One side at home to face in round two next month. Speaking of sides who didn't avoid a shot were Derby County. Well, it looked like they were going to in the 89th minute. They were 2-0 down away to League Two crew. Courtney Baker-Richardson and Elliot Nevitt uh, had put crew 2-0 up and it looked like Paul Warren may have been under real serious pressure. Uh, Derby still trying to hold on to the fact that if they were to lose this game, it would have been the first time in 39 years they've not made the second round of the FA Cup. But Nathaniel Mendes-Langer managed to get a bit of criticism recently and Conor Harahan bailed Derby out. That means they've got a replay at Pride Park in just a few weeks' time. So they salvaged that result there. I mean, you know, I kind of looked at this game and I did think it was going to be another tricky game. You know, crew in... League Two this season have been going very, very well. You know, there's been a lot of high praise for Lee Bell, the crew manager. You know, obviously we know with crew that there's a a sort of conveyor belt line, isn't there, of players that seemingly just transform from the academy into the first team. They seemingly got that again. A lot of that, you know, they've gone a little bit more different this season in terms of actually not being so much homegrown players bringing in, but using a bit more experience in their squad. You know, the likes of, you know, Elliot Nevitt being signed from Tranmere already had that football league experience. Courtney Baker Richardson, I think, is a really good player for Crew. Just a shame he's you know had a few little injury problems. Uh, I think it was last season because I think it really derailed him. Probably having a real good sort of first season with Crew, but he's coming in this year uh, and doing well. So the character is certainly there from Paul one side. I think you could certainly say they still want to fight for the manager. Of course, that they came back late, overcame adversity in a tricky situation to to get a draw, but kind of. Asking this next point, Adam, you know, do you think that maybe the pressure is still on him, you know, regardless of this result? I mean, it would have been a lot worse if they'd lost today. But even if they've drawn, you know, against Crew, Derby will still see that their supporters anyway is a, a still a, a real bit of a problem in their own eyes, you'd, you'd expect. Yeah, I mean, where they are in the league at the moment, I'm sure they would have expected to be much higher. You know, I think they were <laughs> Bucky's pre-season favourites, I think from memory and they've obviously been very inconsistent in the league um warm isn't doing the job that he has tended to do certainly with his stints at rotherham um i suppose it's the proverbial get out of jail card today um 
I was watching the highlights actually. I didn't I didn't manage to uh, to watch the the full game. I watched the highlights before, and I, uh, I'd watched um, earlier the score come through, and it was one nil. Uh, and then I was looking for this. Um, I thought, oh, when they scored the second, when I watched it on the highlights, I thought, oh, there we are. There's the shock because I was looking in the group, and they said it looks like there could be two big shocks today. And then. Um, I think you've probably got to say it was a goalkeeping error for the first one. It seemed to just go on under the goalkeeper. And, you know, you've got Hurahan who, you know, has played a high level all, all his career and, you know, he, he finished that chance off well. But, yeah, um, I mean, I don't think he's going to go after this game. I think he's going to have a bit more time. But I, th I think you're right. I think, you know, losing, losing a crew... 39 years since they last um, didn't get to round two I think that would have given maybe the board an opportunity to say look we, we might need to go in a different direction here I think that get out of jail card is literally uh, a get out of jail card <laughs> No absolutely and you know you've got to say about crew as well you know they are in the top seven in league two they are fifth in the table and as I mentioned you know they are getting a lot of plaudits for the way they're sort of playing um, under Lee Bell this season. So, of course, that is a replay that's going to be... Move on to a shock that happened as well. Lincoln won, Morecambe 2. is uh, not going to be probably too happy in sort of his assessment. Um, Morecambe of League 2, of course, beating uh, Lincoln, of course, who, remember, had that fabulous run to its... Uh, 2017 under Danny Cowley, when of course they were a national league. Sorensen, but Michael Mellon and Tom Bloxham would score the goals for Morecambe that would see the against Lincoln. Remember, still managerless, was still no closer, it seems, to finding out who uh, to replace Mark Kennedy at Sinsel Bank. Charlie, you were in attendance yesterday, you spoke off air and said it of watches. Um, were Morecambe fully deserving winners in your eyes? Um, I'm going to say yes. I think they can be they can be pleased with themselves. What they were able to do was they were able to capitalise on our weaknesses. Um, another set piece goal conceded for Lincoln, and it's becoming a little bit too commonplace this season. Something that we were really strong with last last time out. So it's really frustrating that we're kind of one step forward in certain areas and one step back in others. Um, Lincoln tried something different yesterday. Now, for anybody that's seen us play this season, we've typically been playing like a 5-2-3, a 3-4-3 sort of formation. But we went to a 4-4-2 out of possession yesterday. Trying something new. Had a couple of different players in the squad. Understandable. I actually, I was saying at half-time, bearing in mind at half-time, we were 1-0 up, so it's a lot easier to say. But us, oh, or so on, just before half-time, sorry. And I was saying, actually, I was quite pl pleased that we were using this as an opportunity to experiment with the squad. You know, Tom Shaw's not really had a chance to put any kind of a stamp on, on the team necessarily uh, in his sort of short tenure at the minute as caretaker manager. Um, so I was really pleased to see us trying something different. And it was it was it looked really positive in possession. Our, our left back, uh, Jack Burrows, he kind of played more of an inverted role to kind of move into midfield, then allowing Ethan Hamilton to push further forward to be, sort, you know, still a box to box midfielder in a way. But it was more of an attacking role. And the fact that he was able to make those kind of last minute runs into the box. The only problem is I don't really think we utilised the wide players in this 4-4-2 system as well as we could have done. I thought Alistair Smith was brilliant in a sort of 
target forwards kind of role um, for us. And Hakeem Adelican kind of brought that fluidity in attack. But I don't think Lincoln utilised Mandroyo on the one side and Sorensen on the other. And the only time that we did really utilise them, we scored from it. So it was a little bit disappointing to see us, you know, use this use this cup game as an opportunity to try something new, uh, but then not really do it to the best of the ability and kind of, you know, really take advantage of this sort of new tactical system that we had because I've, Felt it looked really excited early on, um, but you know, obviously, I'm going to be. T- I, I talk more about Lincoln in that sense, but Morecambe also deserve a massive amount of credit. Um, like even late on when they were two one up, we we brought on a young striker and he looked fired up. He wanted to get a couple of goals, or and he had some really good chances. Um, but between a mix of good goalkeeping from the Morecambe goalie and uh, some really resolute defending from them as well, they were able to keep the ball out of the net. Uh, and at the same time, also some pretty poor finishing from from Jovan McCarmer, it was, and, and Jack Vale, who came on. Um, so, huge credit to Morecambe. They came in with a game plan. They executed it well. They got the win. Obviously, the managerial situation has been one that we have talked about quite a bit on the podcast. Obviously, I spoke to Chris about it a couple of weeks ago, of course, a regular and obviously a, a, another Lincoln City fan. It seemed as though it was the Cowleys or Stephen Bradley. There was actually rumours that Danny, uh, well, the Cowley brothers, Danny and Nicky, were due to be the new head coach uh, and assistant at Bradford. But, of course, it, it's re- uh, revealed, allegedly, that they have turned it down at the 11th hour to potentially take over another club. And, obviously, the affiliation and the rumours are pretty much, it feels like an overdrive with the, the sort of idea that he might be going back to Lincoln. A couple of names have just sort of surfaced over the last sort of um, few days. Liam Richardson, of course, which Adam will know very, very well. Of course, a title winner with Wigan in the 21-22 campaign. He's linked. Stephen Bradley is also uh, coming in there. Even Sol Campbell has sort of been fluttered around. Even Tom Shaw is still highly fancied. So you've got a very large, wide bracket in different sort of field of managers. But certainly one name that does stand up there is, is, a, is a Liam Richardson type. Now, of course, he hasn't managed for around about a year after he was, of course, let go by Wigan in the Championship. Adam, um, just talking to you about this one just quickly, do you maybe sense that this is a job that he would look at, Liam Richardson? Because, you know, he's been very patient, I would imagine, with jobs since he left Wigan. Um, you know, obviously, he's probably had, you know, that time to relax. Obviously, it was probably quite well reported that he earned quite a good amount of money from Wigan in terms of his sort of um, sacking. So, you know, is this a job that you could see him walking back into management too, or do you maybe think it's something that he won't necessarily entertain? Um, I think it'd be a good job for him, really. I think it'd be a good way back in. Um, and he's he's had a lot of experience in terms of the different types of management he's had to do. So he had to galvanise a team in administration that literally there was him and the tea lady running the team. Um, I think the tea lady was the physio and um yeah we're basically getting like our under nines and a few like 50 year olds coming in and um, might be a bit extreme but he essentially somehow managed to keep us in league one that season and then as we all know the new owners came in gave him a lot of money to spend at that level you're getting the likes of Charlie White in, but he spent it well. I mean, we've mentioned one player already on here, Tom Naylor, great signing. Um, but the fact that the contract he was on, we had to get rid of him, and Chesterfield were able to to pay that money. 
Um, he won't play the most exciting brand of football, um, but he's he's very good on he's very good on set pieces. We score a lot of goals under him. Um, sets us up quite solid. Uh, tends to prefer the four at the back, but he's also prepared to adapt at times. Play three three centre backs and wing backs. Uh, we used to we used to utilise the recoil and. James McLean played quite a lot actually at wing back under under Liam Richardson as well. He's obviously very well connected. Um, I think Liam Richardson and Paul Cook they're very similar. Usually Cook takes Richardson everywhere with him, but Richardson takes players with him as well because obviously he's Pompey links and he got Watmore and Naylor in, so he's well connected. He's got lots of experience at League One level. He's won a title at League One level um, in. You know, over ninety points. So, yeah, if he if he wants to get back into the game, I think this is a good opportunity. You know, there's some good players there. Um, I just don't know whether he, some of these managers are they just for some reason one club managers and it works works well at Wigan, and then he's had some experience at Accrington, but very minimal. But if he if he can if he can take the Wigan approach and apply it uh, to Lincoln, then for me, I think it'd be a very good appointment. So watch this space, I guess. We will watch this space indeed. I'll just get your thoughts sort of on it quickly, Charlie. I mean, obviously you've, you've kind mm. of heard from Adam himself and obviously he would, he's very qualified compared to us to talk about Liam Richards and uh, sort of style of play and what he does. You know, one thing that was very noticeable Wigan, he did like a very sort of older playing squad didn't in terms of average age i think last year in the championship they had one of the highest average ages when they were first in the level and of course league one they had a very sort of experienced group of players which is nothing wrong with that but we do know with lincoln that you know it's not like the wigan squad it is very much a bit more of a younger feel mm. do you know maybe feel as though that that might be a bit of a, a sticky point perhaps that you might look at it and think you know i've not quite got the tools there yet to kind of do what i wanted but then he might look at what michael appleton did and think yeah It'll maybe take me six to 12 months to kind of get it right. And I can, and I know I will get some decent backing because, you know, it is, you know, sort of, you know, they're not the richest club in the world, but they're not the poorest club in the world, are they, Lincoln? No, and I don't think that we would go for a Liam Richardson type purely for exactly what you've said, uh, you know, as a manager who's going to want an experienced squad. We we aim to be a selling club. You know, we have the model of, Buy, buy low, sell high. And, you know, you have to do that with younger players. And it was also part of the conversation about one of the reasons why potentially, you know, Mark Kennedy was sacked because there were comments that he wasn't developing our young players as much as we would have maybe wanted, which is obviously really disappointing. And we've got some really good players who, you know, young youngsters, someone like a Danny Mandroyu. Danny Mandroyu is going to thrive under a manager that plays some kind of possession football because somebody like that, you need to see technical ability on the ball. You don't necessarily see that. We didn't really see enough of it in the Mark Kennedy side. And I think that some of that was very much tactics as well. Um, and yeah, he didn't seem to be able to galvanise these young players as much, but I feel like us as a club, we're going to need to bring somebody in who can do that. Someone who can basically improve the level of a young squad uh, and get them, you know, moving up the divisions and quite frankly, increasing their price tags because that is the sort of thing that a club like Lincoln have to do to say to stay sustainable. 
Just quickly on that point, though, he, I mean, he obviously had to throw those young players in um, mm. in his first firefighting season. He gave the likes of Vertello Asgard um, his, his debut and, you know, gave him his head, really. Uh, um, other players as well who've done quite well, like Kyle Joseph, um, albeit he's not gone on to do the things I thought he might do. So I think he's got some experience, but when he had the money, he did go for ex. He did go for the experienced players rather than trying to get players that we could develop. I think he was ready-made team, ready for promotion, mm -hmm. lots of experience. And then what do you get left with? You get left with a team that's that's too old on big contracts, and yeah. that's when you get into all that kind of trouble that the likes of us and Reading have been mm -hmm. getting into. So maybe. You, you do want more of a developmental manager rather than someone who is very good with the finished article yeah. players. Well, we'll move on very uh, swiftly to Cheltenham, who were away to AFC Wimbledon of League Two yesterday, and it was AFC Wimbledon 5, Cheltenham 1. Um, probably looking at it, yes, it is a bit eye uh, pretty eye-watering the fact that they did suffer a bit of a heavy loss, but you probably look at Cheltenham's situation and probably think it's probably not actually a bad thing that they have gone out of the FA Cup early. As we know, they very much from Dal Clock walked in at the job rock bottom of the league. There has been some sort of signs of green shoots of recovery. They do look like a team very much, you know, looking like they're going to score a few more goals than um, what they did. I mean, obviously, they had that horrendous run, didn't they? Over 10 games that they didn't score in the league. Of course, it meant Wade Elliott lost his job. So, there has been signs of that, and I think you've probably got to weigh things up sometimes and probably think, yeah, we don't need an FA Cup run for the position that we're sort of in. I mean, obviously, yesterday, um, Ali Al-Hamadi, James Tilley's having a great season for Wimbledon. Josh Davison and Connor uh, Lemonhe-Evans were goal scorers for AFC Wimbledon. Rob Street would score um, for Cheltenham, who, of course, were dumped out of the um, FA Cup. Of course, Daryl Clark has got a bit of a, a bad record against lower level sides, isn't he? When he was manager of Bristol Rovers, he lost four times to non-league sides, albeit um, he's only, oh, sorry, three times to non-league sides. In this instance, he has lost to a side lower in AFC Wimbledon's. But, you know, kind of on that point, Adam, is that something that I think maybe Chapman fans probably weigh up and accept the fact that, you know, we, yes, we might look at this and go, well, we'll, get, we'll generate momentum trying to get a win. But looking at it, you know, we need to fight for our lives and, you know, if we can get any excuse to get out of any competition, then we'll probably think, yeah, if it means we've got a better chance of staying up. Yeah, I think I think so. I think, you know, where they are at the moment, they're in a lot better position than they were when we were talking about it, you know, five or six weeks ago. We Every week we were waiting, weren't we, to announce the first Cheltenham goal of the season. So, um, you know, looking at it, at least he scored yesterday, So, uh, which is... Uh, oh, I, I I don't know enough about Cheltenham to see whether they um, whether they played a more sort of experimental side or whether it was a, a full strength. I guess at the moment as well, he's looking at his players, isn't he? I'm trying to find his strongest team. And um, yeah, we're going to visit there next Saturday. So um, yeah, we'll see it firsthand really what, what they're like. Uh, they've clearly improved, but... I think they'll want to focus on the league. You know, staying in League One with a lot of big teams will generate more income than, you know, maybe one extra FA Cup match. So, I think, I think 
yesterday's result looks like a hammering, but again, a bit like the Chesterfield Portsmouth situation. There isn't that much of a gap, you know, in terms of where they are in the league positions the at the moment. So I think I think Cheltenham fans may be disappointed, but I think they'll looking at the league and I don't, I'm not sure whether there's still a chance to progress yet in the um, the uh, EFL trophy but um, yeah I think I think yesterday it is what it is and you know Wimbledon um, another one with FA, FA Cup pedigree <laughs> mm, of course yeah well obviously there was that for, for Cheltenham obviously did suffer a, a 5-1 loss at the hands of Wimbledon so maybe looking at it, not the worst result in the world, as they, of course, did suffer a defeat against the League Two side. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18-plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now... Back to the podcast. Well, moving on next to a side who were dumped out by League Two opposition in Northampton. It was Northampton 1, Barrow 3 yesterday at Sixfields. It did actually get Saturday's action underway in the FA Cup first round as Northampton were beaten. They've had a pretty bad week, as I mentioned, after they lost to Bristol Rovers prior to that. They hadn't lost by more than a single goal in the league. That was wiped away when Derby put them to the sword in a big victory at Pride Park on Tuesday night, they followed up with a defeat to uh, Barrow in the FA Cup, losing by three goals to one. Emu Aqua would put Barrow in front, who on their day under Pete Wilder, a very, very entertaining side. They do play some very, very good football. Um, and of course, as well, they would equalise with Mitch Pinnock scoring. And then Tom White would put Barrow back in front before it would be sealed with Ben Whitfield's goal. 18 minutes from time, sending Barrow through and Northampton out of the FA Cup. Um, so it's, again, with Northampton, it does make me feel as though that you just hope it doesn't spiral for them and really get bad. It's, um, what, now seven goals I think they've shipped in in a week now, which isn't ideal for them um, moving forward. You know, they have prided themselves on this very strong um, defence under John Brady, you know, particularly sort of this season. I think a lot of the sides that have come up, barring Leighton Orient, especially Carlisle and Stevenage, have prided themselves on having very strong defences, you know, being defensively strong first and then up the pitch. That'll kind of, you know, happen as well. But taking care of business at the back and in your own box has been something they've been very much putting ahead of anything else. And I think you don't want that to kind of slip moving forward. So that'll be something that maybe Northampton fans 
don't want to happen. But again, you know, sometimes we do see Premier League sides, especially when they go in the early rounds of the League Cup, you know, maybe they, they prioritise it in, and look at the league and think, well, you know, we, we do want to stay up. Maybe a cup run isn't easy for us because, you know, we know with, with squads lower down the pyramids, the depth isn't really there. So again, they might look at it and think, yes, they played a, a fairly strong team yesterday. You know, the likes of um, Sam Hoskins, Mitch Pinnock, Mark Leonard, um, you know, played yesterday. Um, the, the the team was pretty much the usual, maybe barring the um, sort of goalkeeping situation, of course, in Lee Burge, who was not available. So possibly on that front, not the worst thing in the world for, for Northampton to um, go out of the uh, competition. Uh, and of course, the reward for Barrow is that they've got an away trip to National League Southside Maidstone on a plastic pitch as well. So uh, that'll be a tough test for Pete Wilde's side. Uh, Friday night, of course, saw Barnsley take on Horsham. My goodness me, what an entertaining game that was. Horsham got themselves a replay drawing 3-3 at Oakwell. Uh, they were a goal down when Max Watson scored 14 minutes in. Shamir Fenelon, who, of course, Crawley fans will know, equalised. They then actually went in front in the first half with James Hammond scoring from the penalty spot. Fabio Jalla made it 2-2. Mile de Gevenet made it 3-2 in the second half before Tom Richards scored for Horsham in the 81st minute that meant Horsham got a replay. It was very much back to the wall in this game. 26 attempts to Horsham's four. Uh, Horsham scored three of them, and it was the only three shots they had on target. Barnsley had 13, so they certainly didn't have their shooting boots on. Neil Collins bemoaned their performance, said it wasn't good enough. Um, the manager of Horsham, or head coach Dominic Di Paola, said, of course, he was unsure why the game was moved to Friday night, but didn't let that affect them as they were able to come away with a, a fantastic result um, under their belt. Of course, they are a side, remember, who... One of the lowest ranked sides actually left in the um, first round. And of course, 500 fans made the trip to Oakwell, South Yorkshire, for a 200 plus mile round trip uh, to South Yorkshire on a Friday night from down south. Charlie, obviously, you know, replays is something a lot of the bigger fans kind of despise. It's kind of a bit of a wider question, but, you know, this is what makes this competition so special, particularly for a non league side. If you can get a draw, uh, uh, you know, a, a team like Barnsley, who were one of the highest ranked sides coming into this draw, remember, you know, they're probably rubbing their hands thinking, you know, this is extra money for us. It's first of all, more attention Two, it's revenue. And three, it's potentially a televised game during the week. So that's something that, you know, is absolutely critical for clubs when they enter the FA Cup, isn't it? Particularly for someone like Horse, you know, welcoming Barnsley down. You know, you're going to be on terrestrial television in front of a big audience it's a chance to shine and really show what your club's made of. So it just shows, doesn't it, that maybe the, the traditionalists are right to keep saying about replay staying in the FA Cup. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I think we, we, we're we not naive. We all know the way that, unfortunately, the FA Cup is going, and that is going to be replays are scrapped. Um, I was having conversations at the football yesterday, sort of asking, they knew that it was coming, and it is coming, and they were asking if it was even place this season obviously luckily at the minute we've still got replays and replays replays are huge for for any for any club realistically outside of the the prem i mean the championship you know even maybe as well but even as a league two side for example you know we're not even talking about your eighth tier non-league side here even as a league two side a league one side if you're able to get yourself a replay it like I say it's great attention it can be so much more money it could be the chance to play away from home at a a bigger stadium that you've maybe never even had the chance to go and see your team play at. FA Cup replays are integral, I think, to to football fandom. 
let, let, just take take all the finances out of it. As a football fan, you dream for that third round replay on a cold Tuesday night, being able able to to go to an Old Trafford, an Etihad, or something like that. Something that's just different. That's why the FA Cup's always been so magical. The more we start to strip away from these fundamentals, the less magic the FA Cup seems to create. But it's great to see a team like Horsham be able to still have the, that magical moment on Friday night and then hopefully they'll get the magical moment again in 10 days' time. Adam, obviously, you know, we know with English football, it's such a unique beast. You know, we've got this four-tier pyramid system that's like nothing else. You've got a Premier League that's in a league of its own. It's just a complete different beast to anything else and everything like that. You know, so it's kind of keeping the traditional argument, isn't it, about the replays? You know, do you kind of agree with what, you know, Charlie said? I mean, as a Wigan fan, it's responsible for the greatest probably moment of, of the club's entire history when you won, obviously, a decade ago. You know, so it's a competition that's probably close to your heart. You know, when you see people, you know, talk about replays in quite a derogatory fashion, thinking there's no room for it and all these managers kind of saying it should be scrapped. What, what's your thoughts about it? Because to me, a little bit, it does... Take, you know, kind of what Charlie was saying, the words, you know, it takes the magic away. What makes its competition so, so good and so special? Yeah, the stripping things away, aren't they, and changing the format. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I remember the days when um, you could have three or four replays mm. <laughs> uh, back in the day. Which, it was uh, boring, wasn't it, sometimes? Yeah, yeah. I think there was a Liverpool-Everton one that went to a 4-3 play at one point. So I, I think the Premier League would, certainly push against that but I think um am I right in saying it's still in for the first three rounds is that is that the case for this season four isn't it I think it's four. only the fifth round when it moves to the midweek that's yeah. scrapped at the minute I think so yeah I mean I would say happy medium for me if it look we've lost uh, a few seasons ago we lost we lost the opportunity they started stripping away I mean some of the best um some of the get games of all time have been semi-final replays. You know, there have been some crackers. I mean, the, the the gig shirt off and Arsenal, Man United, you know, that, that type of game. The semi-finals went then, you know, then they started putting quarters and fifth rounds midweek. Um, I, 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 they, they can't go any further with it because, like you said, it's a magical competition. You know, we've got that... As you said, that exposure, TV money, that can keep them keep a club like that going for for years. And um, yeah, I just keep checking the uh, the scores as well as we're going along because Cray Valley is still one one at Charlton. So uh, maybe by the end of the uh, end of the pod, we might just be able to give a final uh, final score. It is, on that it's, it's on my other screen now. I've got to be honest. I'm, I'm half <laughs> watching it whilst we're whilst we're recording. Oh no, I'm just I'm professional. I'm just uh, looking at it very quickly <laughs> on my. Uh, oh video. wow, wow! That was. <laughs> on my uh, on my teletext it's coming through on my teletext <laughs> but yeah I mean I think replays need to stay because you know there's been some absolute fantastic third round you get a, you get a draw away I mean I remember the excitement when I was younger of we got we scored a 93rd minute equaliser at Coventry when they were in the uh, pro, uh, top flight at the time and I got to experience, you know, the cameras, BBC turning up for a Wednesday night game and the magic of the FA Cup. And, mm. you know, we've a greatest moment, you know, beating Man City mm. on, a, on a, you know, when they were going for the title, uh, the quadruple. 
you know, going to the semi-final in our defence season and obviously that that win. For any Wigan, ask any Wigan fan, they always say, well, what would you have preferred that season? Um, staying in the Premier League or winning the FA Cup? And a lot of people say it's the Premier League, it's the be on end all, you're on every week. And I said, can't take that trophy away from us. There's loads of teams who haven't won the FA Cup recently or ever. Can't take that away from us. And for me, you know, it's still it'll always be celebrated uh, at Wigan. You know, we don't have a we don't have a trophy cabinet that says eight years in the Premier League. You know, we've got a, an FA Cup trophy. So I think we need to keep this competition alive. Um, and it was good to see. I think yesterday a lot of uh, League One teams did put out fairly strong sides. I think so. Um, that's that's good to see. I suspect the Premier League teams won't go that way necessarily. But then again, you can put a second eleven out, can't you, in the Premier League, and it's still a good side. Well, well, that's the that's the thing, is it? And you always hear the stories, especially when non-league sides have really good cut runs. You now, how it just doesn't just help the, the the club. You know, it helps the finances. You now they can put things in place like new stands and new pitch, or it just helps the infrastructure of clubs. And that's kind of why that needs to kind of still remain. It's it's for their benefit when a lot of non-league clubs don't get that opportunity because all the money gets sort of washed into the Premier League and all the top other divisions. So for that, that makes it even special. Moving on, of course, then to Bristol Rovers 7, Whitby Town 2. Non-league uh, opponents, the Memorial Stadium, don't tend to go well for Bristol Rovers in recent years. In the seven years prior to the game against Whitby yesterday, they've been dumped at the FA Cup four times by non-league sides in either round one or round two. Chesham, Barrow, Barnet, Boreham Wood have also won at the Memorial Stadium since 2015, but they made sure that they weren't the latest Whitby as Bristol Rovers really did um, put them to the sword. They were one up inside five minutes. John Marquis, as Adam mentioned, of course, strong sides were named by most of the sides in League One. Rovers did change their side around a little bit, but they still did put out a strong side. Junior Mondo equalised for Whitby. Rovers would go four and up at the end of the first half. Luke Thomas, Giovanni Brown, Anthony Evans from the penalty spot. Uh, putting them 4-1 up. Connor Simpson would score a beauty for Whitby, a moment he'll treasure for the rest of his life with a wonderful current effort pass. Matt Cox a 4-2, Alfie Doherty with an own goal, and then Harvey Vale and, R and uh, uh, Collins would score the 7th, the 6th and 7th, as Bristol Rovers would win 7-2, as they would put themselves into round 2, where they'll face either Crewe or Derby in round 2 away from home. Um, Charlie, obviously I was at the game yesterday, I always had the feeling beforehand, I think it was going to be a, a, a comfortable win for us. I think, you know, there's always, as I said, that fear, that unease mm. about Rovers against non-league sides. But I just felt that, I think the, the way the players are, I think that there is that element of being very professional. And, you know, I think in recent years, yes, we did lose to, to kind of Boreham Wood. But, you know, in, in, in the first round particularly, we've we've not been um, at the first round now for, for a good couple of years. I can't remember when the last time, what well, I think it might have been, um, 2018, I think it was the last time, um, or 2017, it was one of those two who got knocked out in the first round. So, you know, there is a lot that Rovers have, have done well in, in the first round. They put a very strong team out, did Andy Mangan. And I think it's important on that front because he's obviously still looking for the job. It's quite sort of well known amongst the camp. It seems that he wants to be a head coach. So any sort of performance between now and when they do name the head coach is always going to be important for him. So, it's not a surprise, really, that a strong side was was sort of named. And obviously, they were the joint highest scorers in round one. Um, uh, of course, with Aldershot hitting seven at Swindon in that amazing 7-4 match at the county ground. Um, but just kind of talking about the situation with Rovers, of course, Andy Mangan, 
is the caretaker coach, of course, Joey Barton's assistant. Um, looked like to me why he thought he was going to walk, actually go with Barton in his next adventure. But he stayed with the existing staff left there. He is one of the names in the frame, Carl Robinson, uh, Neil Harris, Dean Holden have been linked to the job. It does feel like it's down to Mangan, Harris or Robinson at the moment at this current time. Something might change over time. We shall see. Um, do you see maybe that this could be a potential uh, position moving forward in long term Andy Mangan gets? Or is it one that you feel like maybe it's just one of those he is just still there to, to fill the void? Because with, with caretaker coaches, it's it's so difficult, isn't it, sometimes that they, they do well and then they don't get the job. It's it's difficult, isn't it? How, how do you see this? How do you assess this one? Do you see it the same as Lincoln or a little bit different? I think it's. I think there's so many similarities actually that we can kind of draw from from Lincoln's situation um, and apply it to the Bristol Rovers situation. The caretaker manager, you know, it's, it's always a, it's always a difficult one when when they're doing well and picking up results. Everybody loves them, and if they then don't get the job, it's well, why didn't they get it? But then as soon as they start having some less than amazing performances. Um, you know, they could even be getting results, but not great performances. Suddenly the fans can very quickly turn on them and say, well, why have we done this and not gone for, for an experienced manager sort of thing? And personally, I think that Bristol Rovers are more likely to go out of the club and hire, um, probably, probably hire, a, you know, realistically a more a more experienced candidate in in that sense to be able to try and steady, steady the ship in a way. And, you know, you've got a really, really strong squad. And I think they're going to want to see somebody that can utilise that to the best of the ability to try and move you further up to make sure that at the bare minimum you're getting a top half finish this season. Um, but I think yesterday, and, and you very much alluded to it there, yesterday was a statement by Bristol Rovers. Being able to put seven past Whitby Town is, is really, really impressive. And it's something that doesn't always happen in... The first round of the FA Cup, you can have team, for, for example, Charlton are 117 league places above their opposition today. And that at the minute, you know, as we know, they're currently drawing one all. Bristol Rovers were able to put seven past the Northern Premier League side. So there's just a difference in the sort of the attack and the 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 passion in that, that FA Cup that sometimes it just brings out the absolute best in you. And sometimes the pressure can get to the, the lower side. There was almost very, it was almost very nearly a bit of a banana skin that you slipped up on, considering they obviously equalised with their first of the game. And I'm sure stood at the stand, that would have worried you very much. Um, so that's kind of really interesting. But there was a lot of kind of stories in this game, not just the fact it was the first round of Epical, not just the managerial situation of Bristol Rovers, but also Luke Thomas, somebody I mentioned to yourself Matt, before, but before we started recording, I said I'd quite a few sort of notes on Luke Thomas. He was absolutely sublime yesterday, wasn't he? You know, and I only just saw the extended highlights. You were there for the whole game. But he just seemed a man in top, top form. And it's, mm. you know, it's good that the situation with Joey Barton in recent weeks uh, and sort of the comments that he made about Luke Thomas in the post-match press conference on that day, um, it's really pleasing to see that hasn't not his season off, you know, off, off a uh, off a sort of stilt and and ruined what is a really, really good young player. So it's, I'm, I was really pleased for him personally to see him performing, being able to perform at that top level. So that was really, really promising. And then the other story, 
Ollie Dewsbury. So Ollie Dewsbury, a young Bristol mm. Rovers striker that came on in the 87th minute. Ollie Dewsbury being born in February 2008. He's 15. I mean... That makes me feel old. That makes me feel old, I'll tell you that. That now. makes me feel old and I'm the youngest here. <laughs> so it's, it is... It makes me feel very, very, very old. <laughs> I don't want to say that part. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you've there's so many kind of stories that were written into this game, but I think the biggest one was the statement of the victory and the, the performance as well. It wasn't just a result where it was because you were playing a really poor side. Actually, I thought Whitby were quite good and they could probably feel quite disappointed to have lost by such a margin. But Bristol Rovers just showed the quality yesterday and they showed that they really, really wanted that big margin of victory. Yeah, and, and they were OK, Whitby. I think it was just one of those... They did just come up against a very good opposition on the day. So I think a lot of credit probably mm. does have to go to Rovers for the fact, as you said, it was a statement victory rather than maybe Whitby um, kind of maybe seeing the occasion as a bit too sort of big for them. But no doubt it's a good day out for them. And of course, there was another quite a funny story where uh, Bristol Rovers have Sam Finley um, actually took a picture of uh, Whitby Town fans in the away end um, on one of the spectators' phones, which is something that only the magic of the FA Cup um, actually could provide as Whitby uh, had a long journey home, but no doubt still were able to see something as they did see their side score two goals and equalise uh, a League One side. We'll move on to Stevenage for Tranmere 3. Got se- it got seven goals in this game and there was drama right to the very end in the 100th minute. Jamie Reed, what a season he's having, would get the winner for Stevenage. Joe Murphy would be sent off in the 102nd minute in stoppage time. Uh, James... Uh, Roberts would score. Jordan Roberts, that is for Stevenage, give them the lead. Luke Norwich back at the Lamex would make it 1 all. Rob Apter would put Tranmere 2 1 up. Jamie Reed would score a penalty himself to make it 2 all. Kane Hemmings in the 81st would make it 3 2. Kieran Morris make it 3 3. Looked like it was going to a replay. That was in the first minute stoppage time. And as I mentioned, Jamie Reed would get the winner with Jamie, uh, with uh, Joe Murphy being sent off. They were in round four last year. They got one of the best results. And, of course, they beat Villa in round three at Villa Park under Unai Emery. Um, Adam, you've seen Stevenage this season, albeit in quite controversial um, circumstances, with, of course, Wigan being a bit hard done by, I think you could fair to say, at the Lamex. Four free winners here against Tranmere. Of course, he was 61 um, before this game, Steve Evers. Last Monday, I believe he was 61. Round two, they've got either Port Vale or Burton, who, of course, drew nil-nil yesterday. Um, so, yeah, Stephen is through and avoid a banana skin, but my goodness me, what a game that was. Yeah, it was uh, certainly um, ebbed and flawed, you know, with uh, both sides having the leads at various different points, being level in the 91st minute, and then nine minutes time added on so you suspect that that 10th minute came from because Tramier obviously celebrated hard because they thought they were staying in the FA Cup um, obviously I didn't see the full play but it reminded me of the Wigan game in a way because it was I thought quite scrappy in areas um, Stevenage were getting the ball into the box quite a lot um, and yeah the balls were bouncing around in the box and uh, I think I think at times the um, at times you could say that it was who the ball bounced to sometimes, and that was I think was epitomised by the last goal. You know, is um, good save from the goalkeeper, but you know the um, obviously the uh, reaction from Reed was quicker than the Tramier defenders, and 
gets them a 4-3 uh, win. It's um, I looked as well that Tranmere haven't actually won an away match since they won against Stevenage there in, uh, I think, back in February. So, um, that's in any competition. So, yeah, I think I think they're a side who, I mean, I don't delve into League 2 too much, but it, it's a side that, again, I think they're a big side at that level at League 2 and they're struggling at the moment. And a cup run might have given them that bit of impetus Um because they were going to the very end, they didn't give up. So yeah, it, it's horrible when you equalise. Uh, I know we we did it at Blackpool the other week. We equalised in injury time and then lost in injury time. It's it's a horrible feeling. It's you get that you feel so good with the late equaliser, but with the extra time that they had on there these days, like a ninety first minute equaliser, you still got a lot of time to go, haven't you? So yeah. I think loads of goals, obviously excitement. I don't think it was one for the purists, but it provides excitement and entertainment to the fans. So there's lots of different ways of skinning a cat. Sorry, cats. Yeah. My dog's barking in the background, <laughs> by the way. If you've, uh, He clearly doesn't like the firework display. And obviously as well for, for Tranmere, it wasn't the best of starts for Nigel Adkins in his first official game since he became the new permanent head coach after a successful caretaker spell when, of course, he did start the season as the technical director. We move on then to another League 1 v League 2 tie, Reading 3, MK Dons 2. It's the first time since 2001 that Reading have featured in the first round of the FA Cup. This was one maybe people looked at and thought, actually, it might be a bit of a surprise if Reading actually beat MK Dons, they do look good in the very early stages of uh, Mike Williamson train, of course, after he came in from Gateshead. Um, Reading, it seems this season, Charlie, are thriving a bit more in a couple of competitions. As we know, they scored nine, I think it was, at Exeter early in the season in the Papa John's Trophy, or what is now going to be called the Bristol Street uh, Motors Trophy, which just sounds not the best new name, but there we go. Um, and then, obviously, um, they beat MK Dons yesterday. We know the problems of Redden. It's getting worse. It feels like there's a, a bit of news about Redding every day with Dar Young, of course, being sort of summoned to a, a, a hearing by the EFL because of various issues. Of course, they were semi-finalists in 2015. Uh, I think it was under Steve Clark who might have been the head coach then. So they have got FA Cup history in the last sort of 10 years, decade. So, yeah, this does feel like maybe quite a big win that they got against MK Dons. But one of those now that they hope it will take them up moving forward. And I think who they... We'll get in round two, maybe, is a potential sort of game to be on the TV as well, because they are away to Eastleigh. But to this game in isolation, round one, big important win for Reading, given, of course, what is transpiring this week and how the season's been so far. A rare, bright moment in what's been a bad season so far. Yeah, absolutely. Season, it, was, it was really uh, positive for them to be able to end a losing run with the victory over MK Dons. And I, I very much agree. I, I kind of saw this as a game where MK Dons could, could probably actually take advantage of a of a struggling Reading side, um, you know, both on and off the pitch. Let's e even just taking all of the off the field issues away. And I know we don't like doing doing that too much, but just to kind of ignore them for a minute, they've not even been that good on the pitch either. There are still clear issues in terms of the playing squad. Um, you know, we we know that, and it stems from the off the field issues, yes, but. I really was expecting MK Dons to, to perform better than what they did in this game yesterday. And in all fairness to them, they were absolutely brilliant in the first half. Yes, Reading took the lead, but MK Dons equalised only five minutes before half-time through Alex Gilby, who had a 
like a couple of chances before that as well. Um, he, he seemed like a man possessed yesterday mm. in that first half specifically. So it was really, really positive from, from them. But then second half came out, Reading, they just came out more fired up and they started dominating the second half and they got a swift double in the 64th and the 68th minute. Uh, I've got to be honest, thought MK Don's defended it really poorly for that second goal specifically. I mean, or well, the third goal, you know, the second goal was a set piece as well. Um, I think, you know, look, MK, MK Don's are a team in transition. They are moving to a more sort of possession-based style uh, under Williamson. But that's going to take time and they're still going to have to scrap away some of the sort of defending issues that they, that they had under Graham Alexander. So I wasn't too surprised uh, to see sort of that's still rearing its ugly head at the minute. Um, MK Dons did manage to pull one back late on through Max Dean, managed to bundle the ball into the back of the net, but it was in the 93rd minute and it was only a consolation goal in the end. So yeah, Reading could be really, really pleased with that. They're obviously away from home against Eastley in the second round, as you've mentioned. And if this is huge for them, they, they're going to need a victory in that. If they can get themselves to the third round, face somebody bigger way, it could just help galvanise a fan base that are already galvanised, don't get me wrong, but they're currently galvanised against the owners of their current club. So it would be really nice if they could have something really positive on the pitch to look forward to. Yeah, so Reading through to round two, as well as Blackpool. They had a tricky tie away at Bromley and won 2-0 in the uh, Saturday tea time game. Shane Lavery and Karamoka Dembele's first half goals saw them win at Hayes Lane and take a long trip back up north with them in the hat for round two. Of course, one of nine previous winners from uh, previously in the FA Cup in the first round. Of course, they won it in 1953. A very, 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 very famous final, of course. Um, Stanley Matthews winning the FA Cup when he was at Blackpool. I think he was in his 40s. So they are, are taking on Scarborough or Forest Green at home in round two. Adam, you watched the game yesterday. Seemed as though seeing the stats without myself watching that game, it did seem it was a very professional performance by Blackpool. Yeah, I think it, it did look like a banana skin. It's obviously um, playing on the artificial as well. Uh, Sutton made good use of that, didn't they? It was four or five. I think it was the same year Lincoln had the cut run, but the two non-league sides did really well. Uh, but I think with those sort of matches, if you can score early and if you can score two relatively early, it makes it very difficult for the non-league side then to get the momentum and to get back into the game. Yeah, very professional performance, I thought. First half and for the pretty much the first 20 minutes of the second half, they completely controlled the game. Two nice goals, very nice goals, pleasant on the eye, you know, both uh, assisted by uh, Kuase, who the first one was a lovely ball through to uh, Larry and then Dembele. I mean, that was an amazing goal. You know, he just um, he picked it up in a position that you didn't think he could do anything with it, turned, ran through. Lovely little one too, brilliant finish, and you know you tune it up, uh, and I think they enjoyed. I think they enjoyed the pitch, uh, the trueness of the surface. They zipped it rounds quite a bit, and it was only really in the last 10, 15 minutes where Bromley got going. And you know we know Bromley's a decent side who are pushing for the football league. Uh, they missed a couple of absolute sitters at the end, but. I think all in all, you know, it was the TV cameras turn up for a shock and I don't think at any stage in this game there was ever going to be a shock. 
Yeah, professional performances is something Neil Critchley's Blackpool side seem to do a little bit more of lately than what they were at the start of the season. So they are in round two, the former winners of the FA Cup, albeit uh, what we're talking well nearly 70 sort of years ago. Um, next, we move on to Leighton Orient. This was an all-league one tie. Leighton Orient three, Carlisle one. Joe Piggott put Leighton Orient in front from the penalty spot. Joe Garner equalised for Carlisle, but then Aaron Drunen and Rural Satiri, whose goals in the second half saw Leighton Orient Move into round two. As we mentioned, they have got Chesterfield away, so that is not an easy tie because I've certainly taken notice of the matter they dumped Portsmouth out earlier on today. Uh, but Charlotte keeps their good form going in the League and Cup. Six unbeaten now. Very much motoring forward, aren't they? Looking good, Leighton Orient at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And both of these sides are actually sides that I've been impressed with in the league this season. Now, I know that Carlisle have very much struggled to get as many points on the board as what they'd obviously want. But I still think they've been a really, really solid side to, and, and a difficult team to play against, actually. So I've, I've been really impressed with them. But Leighton Orient were, were, were just a bit of a class above uh, yesterday. Now, don't get me wrong, Carlisle had their chances. They put a lot of pressure on Solbrin, especially sort of early on in the second half. However, like I say, Leighton Orient were just able... They had the they had the quality not just on the pitch at the start, but they also had the quality in the depth to be able to make two substitutions and both of them scoring. So it's just really really positive for Leighton Orient to be able to keep what is a really good run going, um, and yeah, ultimately now be able to get into the second round. They've obviously got a really really tough game as you've mentioned, Chesterfield uh, away from home. That is really really difficult, but at the same time, I'm sure they do probably. I'm sure they're happier to be facing Chesterfield rather than Portsmouth. So they've got that kind of silver lining on what is a tough draw. But yeah, Leighton Orient could be really happy. It looked like a really good game. Lots of drama. Obviously, an early penalty. Uh, there was also uh, Guy. He was taken off with a leg injury as well. Um, so a lot happening. Really good advert for League One football in the FA Cup. Uh, and Leighton Orient now are going to just be hoping that they can push forward into the third round if they can. Moves on nicely to another all-League One tie. The last of the three to have taken place, of course, we mentioned earlier, Port Vale nil, Burton nil, Exeter nil, Wigan two. They only met a fortnight ago, as Adam said earlier on um, today. Of course, they were winners a decade ago. Were Wigan in the FA Cup. Sean Maloney, the manager, of course, we all know, he played a part in that final 10 years ago. It was his corner into Ben Watson, whose header against um, Man City would win Wigan, their only FA Cup to this date, um, as they, of course, won 1-0 at Wembley um, with that goal from Ben Watson. 2-0 winners yesterday against Exeter, Taylor Osgord and Stephen Session were putting one of the goals of the first round. Saw Wigan win again. Same scoreline as they did a fortnight ago. Um, a competition, as we know, Adam, that holds special memories for Wigan. Um, Tuna win yesterday. Very much, I almost imagine, a little bit of a different performance to the one against Exeter in the league because by all accounts in the league game, they were very much dominant. Wigan had their backs to the wall, but it did maybe look as though a little bit different as they inflict again a little bit more pain on a former manager and Gary Caldwell and also a player as well who um, was part of the side 10 together on the FA Cup as well. Yeah, yeah, he played in a number of matches that season. He didn't play in the final, uh, but he lifted the trophy with uh, Emerson Boys because he was the club captain at the time. So lots of uh, lots of links there. Um, by the way, Exeter, great setup. I like uh, I like Exeter, like the fan village and everything there. It's a lovely, uh, lovely club to visit. And when you visit. Um, 
when you visit twice and pick up wins um that even better but very different games as you say the, this t last time it was bodies on the line blocks on the line it, it was a complete smash and grab and a late late goal from jordan jones that got it over the line this game was very different first half didn't not a lot happened really we're gonna add to scott smith had a decent another good young player coming through um he had a good shot a well served we tweaked it a bit at half time to get a bit more control in the midfield we went from um we went to a 4-3-3 so we had three players in there and asgard kind of dropped in as the sort of attacking uh, midfielder and then we had two defensive center midfielders in Adiko and Smith um, and yeah after a great run from Inform Jordan Jones who's finally doing it at Wigan it's taken him two and a half years to produce that form but he's doing it um, and good shots as guard follows in uh, and then after a good sustained period of um, possession um Asgard picked it up, gave it inside to Session, who'd switched to left back from where he was playing right wing back in the first half. Um shows he's ball fussed because he got it on that right foot. And yeah, you'd struggle to see a better strike in the uh first round of the FA Cup. Beautiful, beautiful goal. Um he says he scores one a season. I think he got one for Charlton when he was on loan there as well, and that was meant to be a cracker. So uh, I don't think we're gonna see him scoring sort of a tapping at the far post at any point uh, soon. But yeah, very professional, very good, very pleased. We played a full strength team. Um and you know that's nice to see. And then, you know, we've got York or Chester and they're they're certainly, although it's a new ground at York, those places we were visiting those sort of in the uh, mid to late 90s. So you can see, even though we've dropped down a couple of leagues, we're still the gap between the two sides is quite big at the moment. And that's a good one. If you can get a ticket, it's great for the fans because it's always good to visit those type of grounds. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, there should be maybe potentially it could be a TV game if um, well if either of them go through because they'll be one, they'll be sniffing and upsetting against the former winners. So yeah, maybe it'll be a TV game. So obviously that's the games that we wanted to discuss about all the sort of main twelve that we wanted the four that we had each. The other results yesterday: Bolton four, Solihull nil. Four-time winners in this competition are Bolton. Uh, Santosh, Magoma, Forrester, Charles with the goals for Bolton as they are safely through to round two as Solihull, of course, going well in the National League, um, are not able to go through. They will face Harrogate at home in round two. Wickham 2-1 winners away at Bradford. Killian Phillips, Sam Stubbs own goal, put Wickham 2-0 up. Uh, a late goal or sort of a goal in the second half from um, Walker threatened to come back, but Bradford couldn't as Wickham take on Morecambe aside, of course, beat Lincoln um, in round one to go through. Cambridge didn't quite get the most comfortable results against Bracknell in the scoreline, but they did get through anyway. 2-1 winners for Jiria Kinabire and a no goal from Osu put Cambridge 2-0 up. Bracknell threatened to make it a real good contest at the end with Ben Harris scoring, but they would go through. Oxford, 2 0 winners against Maidenhead of the National League. Billy Bowden with two. They set up a tie against either Slough or Grimsby at home. 
Fleetwood, of course, will be Cambridge's next opponent to beat Kidderminster earlier today by two goals to one. There'll be a replay between Peterborough and Salford like there was last year in the first round. A late goal from Fernandez saw them draw away at, uh, sorry, at home to Salford. Uh, they were 2-1 down. Malin and Sturge, an own goal, had put Salford 1-0 up and then 2-1 up. Ricky J. Jones in the middle equalising there. Doncaster or Accrington will be their opponents. The last of the three all-league one ties, Port Vale nil, Burton Albion nil. Nathan Smith sent off for Port Vale, so they played uh, 70 minutes plus with 10 men. They got Stevenage away in the next round. Shrewsbury three, Colchester two. The most goals Shrewsbury have scored in a single match this season. Cameron McGeehan put Colchester in front. Daniel Udo, Jordan Shipley, and an own goal from Connor Hall had put Shrewsbury through one up. Zach Mitchell equalised. I saw he scored late on, but it would be ultimately Shrewsbury who would go through. Fleetwood two, Kidderminster one early there in round two, continuing their good form under Lee Johnson. Cambridge away. And a special mention, last but not least, to Cray Valley. What a result. 1-1 they've got this evening at Charlton as the round one action is rounded off. It looked like Charlton were going to head for the hills and they went in front with Scott Fraser. But an own goal from Lucas Ness means that Cray Valley have got themselves a draw. And the beauty of this competition is they might even be a live televised game. Gillingham away in round two for them. So that is our FA Cup special from the League One podcast and the Real EFL. So 13 sides through to round two. There are still sides in the draw, albeit we still don't know if they are going to be officially through to round two. There's five matches that have gone to replay, but we say goodbye to six sides in Northampton, Cheltenham, Exeter, Carlisle, Lincoln and Portsmouth. We also say goodbye to the two guests in Charlie and Adam. It's been wonderful to have you guys on and it's just a last message from all of us here at the Real EFL. Please, please keep your reviews coming and likes and rating us on your chosen podcast platform. We do appreciate all the support you've given us. Have a lovely rest of your weekend and of course League One Football is back for some in midweek and of course we'll be back next weekend with a full programme and back to normal on our normal show on the podcast. We will be back very, very soon. Have a lovely rest of your weekend. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then later on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.